0: Thank you.
1: Our music. Good evening, everyone, and welcome to Thorn and Cross, Haunted Nights Live. We're your hosts. I'm Alistair Cross, and I'm here with my co host and collaborator, Tamara Thorne. How are you, Tamara?
2: I'm very excited. Do you know why? Why? You better know why. Because Facebook is our seventh anniversary. Oh.
1: <laughs> 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 We've been friends on Facebook for seven years today.
2: Wow. Yeah, we actually That's met there, time. and we must we have been did. writing together for about six years now—five years, six years.
1: Yep. No, it didn't take long for
2: us to, to, to click. Yeah.
1: Exactly. yeah. Seems
2: like twenty. Yeah, well, happy
1: anniversary. Anyway,
2: happy anniversary. I think it's hair this year. We have to bag up all the hair in our brushes and send it to each other. Okay. Mmm, hair. Right.
1: <laughs> All right. Okay, thank you for joining us. Uh, Give me before we there. introduce tonight's guest, we have someone very special on tonight that we're excited to talk about, mm-hmm. but I'm going to turn it over to Tamara, who's going to briefly tell you what's going on with us first. Take it away, Tamara.
2: All right. Okay, I will. Um, well, t- not today through August 30th, just in time to put you in the mood for Halloween. Alistair's paranormal murder mystery, Sleep, Savannah, Sleep, is on sale in ebook for just 99 cents at Amazon. According to HorrorAddicts.com, Alistair Cross shows that he is a master storyteller by giving us memorable characters and a twist ending that you'll never see coming. And the novel lady says, sometime in October, when I list my absolute favorite Halloween night reads, this book will be way up on my list, probably number one. So if you like crime, ghosts, and mysterious murders, check out Alistair's Sleep Savannah Sleep for just $0.99 cents at Amazon. And I want to continue and just say something myself. We read our books to each other, and out loud, three times. Sleep Savannah Sleep was my most favorite ever read to read that fast because I they're allowed to you three times in a row. Because while we edited, you edited, and I read it was so interesting, and there were always new little twists and turns. That's a hell of a great book.
1: Aw, oh, thanks. Nice, thank You're you. Welcome. All right, also, subscribers to our newsletter will be the first to see the cover art for Tamara's upcoming solo novel. We'll also be including an excerpt in that email. So if you haven't joined the newsletter, just go to our websites, com or tamarathorn.com. Uh, Again, you're listening to Thorn and Cross, Haunted Nights Live, with your hosts, Alistair Cross and Tamara Thorne, uh, as well as our websites. If you want to learn more about what we do, you can also visit our mutual blog at thornandcross.wordpress.com, or if you tweet, our handles are at crossalister and at Tamara Thorne. Uh, You can also visit us on our Haunted Nights Live page on Facebook. For more information on the show, you can visit Authors on the Air on Facebook, Twitter, and at authorsontheair.com. This is a broadcast of the Authors on the Air Global Radio Network, LLC. All right, tonight we are thrilled because we have a returning guest, someone we are always riveted by, someone we enjoy talking to very much. B. Uh, P. Lyle is the McCavity and Benjamin Franklin Silver Award-winning and Edgar Agatha Anthony Seamus Scribe Silver Falcon and USA Today Best Books Award-nominated author of 17 books both nonfiction and fiction, including the Samantha Kobe Dub Walker and Jake Longley thriller series and the Royal Payne's media tie-in novels. His essays on Jules Verne's The Mysterious Island appears in Thrillers, 100 Must Reads and his short story Even Stephen in ITW's anthology uh, uh, thriller three. he served uh, there's some title <laughs> here He served as editor for <laughs> and contributed the story Splash to SCWA's anthology, It's All in the Story. He is International Thriller Writers VP for Education and runs CraftFest, MasterCraftFest, and ITW's online thriller school. Along with Jan Burke, he was co-host of Crime and Science Radio. Uh, he has worked with many novelists and with the writers of popular television shows such as Law & Order, CSI Miami, Diagnosis Murder, Monk, Judging Amy, Peacemakers, Cold Case, House, Medium, Women's Murder Club, 1-800-MISSING, The Glades, and of course, Pretty Little Liars. Also, uh, he has a new show on Authors on the Air called Criminal Mischief, the Art and Science of Crime Fiction, which we're going to talk a lot about. So, Without further ado, and I apologize for totally botching your bio, welcome to the show, Doug. <laughs> well,
0: Thank you for inviting me to the circus.
1: <laughs>
0: uh, we love having always, you the circus. It,
1: it, it always is. It and, always is. I don't know what happens. Congrac- All right. But anyway.
0: Congratulations. Y- you- congratulations on your seventh anniversary. It's fantastic. Yes. Oh, yes. yes. Thank you. Yes. We'll be
1: trading hair soon. <laughs> yes. Uh, It's always very exciting So I think the first I want to ask you about We talked about this a little bit Before the show But I'm intrigued by this Um, Okay, so your new show Criminal Mischief The Art and Science of Crime Fiction Okay, uh, this I'm very excited about First of all, I guess Just tell Mm -hmm. us a little bit about What it is What we can expect to hear When we go listen to it And where we can listen to it
0: Yeah, well, it's uh, obviously On Authors on the Air And if you go to my website website, DPLyleMD, you can connect directly to all the shows, but uh, basically uh, I wanted to talk about crime fiction, which of course can be cozies and mysteries and thrillers about anything that involves a crime and I wanted to talk about it uh, in terms of uh, the science the forensic science uh, craft of writing in other words, anything anything that had to do with that both in the fictional world and in the real world. And uh, I thought about how I was going to do it. You know, Pam Stack and I talked about it at Fest, uh back early, early July when we, were, when we were there in New York. And she said, come up with whatever you think you want to do, and then we'll make it happen. And I started looking at all the other shows, and most of them, like this show, are interview shows, which are wonderful. And Jan and I did that for three and a half years on Crime and Science Radio. And I, <laughs> and I know it can be like herding cats sometimes trying to get everything organized and put together, you know. And I have a cat that is, like, totally unruly, so I understand what that's all about. So I decided to make this show just, I'm going to talk about stuff, you know, and hopefully people (laughs) will like to listen to my mutterings and ramblings and, you know, dribbling on myself and all that stuff. So I've had two shows so far, and the first one I talked about um, the motives for murder all the different reasons people go out and kill each other. And then the second one I talked about, the uh, cause and manner of death, which are two of the three things that the medical examiner must determine, and they're often at the heart of crime fiction. Uh, why was someone was killed, how they were killed, what the manner of death was. And then the next one that will be coming up in a week or so has to do with the time of death, which, of course, is absolutely critical in any in any crime uh, uh, investigation. And then after that, I'll see where I go. I'm not sure yet, but I'll figure something <laughs> out. <laughs>
1: well, I'm sure there will be plenty of, uh, I mean, that's pretty much an endless thing. I can't even tell you how often, and we yes. talk about this, I've, you know, when we've had you on before, how often. It's like I need mm-hmm. a reliable resource because the thing is, just Googling things online is not really your best uh way when you need to know for sure you know something like okay uh, uh a woman of 62 was murdered in this way and she has been dead for you know this long when you know to say rigor mortis set in or you know you know what i mean it's very it's it's
2: exactly it's hard
1: to get it's really hard to get you know uh because these things vary so much and so i'm really glad that you're doing this because i think this is going to be a great resource for for crime writers. Not to mention it's just fascinating. I mean, I can listen to this stuff even if I wasn't writing crime. It's 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 interesting. I wonder do you do you what? I'm sure I've asked you this before, but I'm going to ask again. How did you first get interested in such things anyway? <laughs>
2: <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs>
0: well, you know, I got I got to get away with my own crime, so there is that.
1: <laughs> but, um,
0: but aside from that, uh, I mean, being a writer for the last couple of decades and being a physician, uh, the science of crime has always been fascinating to me. And when I started investigating and educating myself on it, on forensic science, if you will, and, and criminal investigation, I found I find that it's not any different than the practice of medicine you have a problem you have to peel back the layers of that problem and find out what's going on and figure out the best way to resolve it to make the patient better well in in the criminal investigation or in forensic science it's really the same thing you've got to look at the problem analyze the problem decide what you need to know in order to solve this puzzle and then go about finding that information to see if it supports your theory or negates your theory and moves you in a different direction so the practice of the practice of medicine is a mystery it always has been you have a problem you have a constellation of symptoms you have a sick patient it's a mystery how do you go about solving that mystery and making the situation better
1: right right <laughs> Now, when when we had you on before I asked you, and I thought this was a really interesting topic, um, you know, what are some of the things that television uh, gets wrong? And one of the things that you said is that uh, when people get knocked out on, on television and, you know, yeah. somebody hits them over the head and they're out cold and they throw them in the trunk of a car and they don't come around for like, you know, 30, 45 minutes, um, you said that's not really realistic. Um, if they're out that long, something's obviously seriously wrong, um, and I've, they've always done that on TV, and I was watching something the other day, I think it was iZombie, that, that show on Netflix, I love that show, <laughs> <laughs> um, and somebody somebody got knocked out, and they they responded exactly the way that they really would, and I thought that was really cool, because <laughs> maybe, maybe, right. you know, because of th- people like you and things you're saying, people are catching on, it's like you can't really, you know, do stuff like, like that, so aside from getting knocked out and obviously not being uh, out cold for long periods of time, what are some other things that that you see a lot that you would like to set the record straight on that just doesn't really happen in real life?
0: Well, it's interesting. I I I just finished a book by one of my favorite writers, and it's a fantastic book, and it shall go nameless. But uh, a person had been killed and murdered and hung up and all this, and had been there for some time, uh, an hour or more. And the protagonist shows up, and there's still blood dripping and pooling on the floor. Sorry, oh. Tilt, that's not going to happen. When, the, when right. the heart stops, you know that's when you die, the blood quits circulating, the blood does this thing we call clotting, and that yeah. happens anywhere from 5 to 10 minutes or so. And after that, there may be some dripping and bruising for a few minutes as the, the already liquid blood or the clotting blood kind of leaves the body by gravity. But after that, there's no, there's no more blood entering the wound, so it can't bleed anymore. Dead folks don't bleed. And so um, right. it stopped me. It stopped me. But, you know, I, I'm very generous about that stuff. I understand that storytelling trumps everything. And these little things it did not change the plot it did not change the suspense. Okay, I'll give you that, but factually, it's not correct
1: right right what what would you say we We have just some 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 just gen kind of general questions that we're <laughs> always curious about Fire. Uh, when, we, when, when we get someone like you on the show, it's just like it's like candy for us. It's like, it's so it morbid. Um, <laughs> what? You're trying
0: to say you're very stiff
2: you. people?
1: Yes. Yeah, so. <laughs> <laughs> well, I've always been curious about this. When you are, when 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 the morgue attendant removes all of the organs of the body, first of all, what do they remove? Why do they remove? And and most importantly, what do they do with them?
0: Okay. Well, an, an
1: autopsy has,
0: an autopsy has a, a format, and basically they open the chest, they open the outer, and they open the head, and they will take out the organs, and they do them so the pathologist, and he's actually dictating all this while he's doing it, he will weigh them, he will inspect mm-hmm. them grossly, and I don't mean gross as in gross, but grossly, <laughs> and, and he will make comments <laughs> about what they look like, what they are, da 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 Then he will take samples from them he will cut out little pieces of them uh for microscopic examination later and he does that with each organ and then he will take the organs and put them back inside the body and close the body up and then it goes off for burial or cremation or whatever they're going to do so what he's done is examined each organ in a full autopsy not all the autopsies are full He's weighed it, he's measured it, he's looked at it grossly, and now he's got microscopic things. Uh, he's obviously taken blood and urine and stuff for toxicological examination, if that's part of it, et cetera. And, and then, the, mm-hmm. then he doesn't need the body anymore. He's taken what he's needed, and he doesn't need the organs anymore. So they go back in the body, kind of just drop back in there. You're not going to put the liver and the kidney and the spleen back where they were. You're just going to put them inside the mm-hmm. cavity and sew it up and done. So uh, right, that's, yeah. they go back in the body.
1: Yeah. Okay, wow. I didn't know that, honestly. Okay. I had no idea. No, I thought maybe no. they, yeah, I didn't know. Yeah. I mean, unless
0: he's weird and well, he stores them on the shelf, you know, in his garage.
1: But I, I know, don't right? Really <laughs> I <do> that. Yeah.
0: <laughs> you never that's what know. You, do. No, <laughs> you
2: know. So on TV and movies and all that, the, the coroner and his pals are always eating lunch over the dead bodies. Usually making oh, sure. the cops feel sick while they're doing it. Is that real? Have you ever done that? Do people really do that? Well, let's let's put it this way: in medical
0: school, uh, during your your first semester of your freshman year, you take anatomy, and I remember mm-hmm. we had a lab every morning from eight to twelve, and on Wednesday afternoon from one to five. So if you add that up, you have twenty four hours of anatomy that you're in the lab in this horrible place with these smelly bodies in these tanks that you raise up out of the formula and you work on and you end up dissecting the body down to its nothing basically by the end of the day and that takes like four months you know as you go through it well the first day there everybody's real creepy and real thing the second day everybody's okay we got to do this the third day you started opening up the skin and looking inside and stuff and by the fifth or sixth day you know the second week that you're there uh, somebody's eating a sandwich, sitting on a stool, got the book, and now we need to find the the superior cutaneous nerve, you know, and somebody's dissecting, it, and he's directing them what to do because we work. So yeah, you eat lunch while you're, you know, while you're dissecting the body. So absolutely. <laughs> <laughs>
1: when you when you first started, was it something that you uh, like when you when you when you uh, took these classes when you did this? Was it something that were you always able to just do it uh, to approach it scientifically and objectively, or was it, I mean, it's got to be kind of upsetting, isn't it? Or maybe not, I don't know.
0: Well, the first couple of days of anatomy class were a little spooky, because you got to be a dead guy there, and you've got to open him up and you've right. got to rummage around inside. But like I said, after two or three sessions there in his lab, with all this formula and smell, it really was darkly. It was dark, dirty windows up high, and but you had a lamp mm-hmm. over the thing, and it really was very Frankenstein's in the lab that oh. we worked in. But by the third or fourth trip there, it's like okay, you know, I'm I'm a learning. This is school. This is what I do. This is like dissecting a frog right. in a tenth grade. You know, it's it it goes That's to that bad. level because you're learning. Exactly. Yeah. Well, now right.
2: have you ever been been around when? I always hear what body, dead bodies can do some pretty strange things, like sit up or, you know, kick a leg or anything. Have you ever been around when that's happened or know any stories about that?
0: Not really, but i tell you what will happen. Sometimes, you know, we'll have someone that suffers a cardiac arrest, and, and then they go flatline, and, and you know, then you, you, you try the code for 45 minutes, and, you know, you, they're not going to come back. You're not going to say Yeah. That. So you have to call the code, and you may the time of death. Well, I always said, turn the monitors off. And sometimes they would forget to do that, and 10 minutes later, a heartbeat will reappear, at least the electrical event. Nothing is going on in the body, Uh, but but the heart is still sending out electrical signals even 15 minutes after it quit beating, Uh, and and that Mm -hmm. freaks everybody. So turn the monitor off. It's over with. Right. You you don't need any more information. They so yeah, I've seen that, but not sitting up and all that, but then I'm not a pathologist, so I'm sure they've seen weirder, weirder stuff. <laughs> <laughs>
1: <laughs> Would you say that having, having kind of made a, a, a career out of this, and you've, you've been at this for years, has it changed in any way? Um, do you think your own ideas or feelings about your own mortality because I would think that it would be, um, uh, we you know, we write horror, but it's very easy to, you know, these, these, are, these are fictional characters. This isn't, you know, really real. Yeah. But to see it, to be around it, I, I don't know how that would really affect me. I, I imagine that it would have some effect, but I, I don't know. What about you?
0: Uh, not so much that, but I'm going to tell you, I've always been one that was aware of my surroundings. Uh, I've always paid attention. Uh, I just kind of came out of the box that way. I kind of always pay attention to it. You know, there's people who go ho dee and walk down the street and don't pay attention. I always know what's going on around me, uh, but more so. Once I started writing and reading crime fiction and, and thrillers and stuff, you realize that innocent-looking people aren't always so innocent. So I'm always taking in data about what's going on around me. Um, and essentially, you'll see somebody that looks a little funny, and you will pay more attention. What what pants is he wearing? What kind of shirt is he wearing? Is he wearing glasses? What are his shoes? Because you never know if this guy's going to be the guy who does something, and the cops are going to come and say, "Well, what did he look like?" It's weird, but right. that way. Yeah, he was wearing blue jeans and a and a, a yellow shirt, and he had on you know uh, uh, air shorts, you know, and he had <laughs> right, and that, right and he had an earring in his right ear. I pay attention to stuff like that now for many reasons, not only because of that. But because who knows, I may use this character in a novel someday.
1: Right. Mm. Right. Exactly.
2: Good point. And
1: speaking of your novels, before actually before we we get to your novels, um, uh, before we get to your novels, uh, I want to talk a little bit about your nonfiction. Um, you you've written several books on uh nonfiction and, and crime science and stuff like that. What what right. books would you what books of yours would you most recommend for a uh, burgeoning crime writer or just anyone who's interested?
0: Well, I think uh, obviously Forensics for Dummies and How Done at Forensics are textbooks, if you will, for forensic
2: science. Those are great. So, yeah, so crime
0: writers crime writers who want to know about time of death or want to know about the gunshot wounds or want to know about toxicology or DNA, it's in there. And if someone who likes to watch the news or read this stuff and wants to know more about it, it's in there. So those are textbooks. But my three question-and-answer books, Murder and Mayhem, Forensics and Fixes, and More Forensics and Fixes, I think those are really interesting books. There's nothing like them out there. And it's where writers would send me questions, and I would answer the science question they had. You know, like you mentioned the first, a body that's found, a 62-year-old woman, been dead for X number of hours that kind of thing, and I explain what what it looks like and explain the science behind it and then tell them how to use it in their story. I think anybody who watches TV, watches true crime or watches fictional crime or reads fictional crime uh, would read these things because it gives you an insight into how the mind of a writer works, how they come up with these questions. I'm always fascinated by the questions they ask. Like, wow, that's fantastic. And then I supply the information. So hopefully people will not only see how learn something from it, but they will see how the mind of prime writers work. And maybe they'll sit down and say, you know, I can do this. So go ahead. Yeah. Sit down and write your story. Yeah. What's the worst thing that can happen, you know?
1: Right, right. Yep. Now, okay. you mentioned you mentioned who done it versus how done it, and I think that's really interesting because um I think uh, Columbo is kind of more of a how-done-it, I believe. It's like you mm-hmm. know who it is. It's 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 kind of a question of finding out how. Now, I don't know if you feel the same way. I'm just curious about your, you, you know, because you have a really keen sense of these things. I have been able to, I think that, that Agatha Christie is, is, is the queen of crime for good reason. I, I love her. She's one of my favorites. I've read dozens and dozens. I have very rarely been able to figure out who done it? And I have yet to figure out how, though. I think that she is truly remarkable at it. Do you have any opinion on her, her work, what she does? <laughs> I'm just curious.
0: Yeah, yeah. I mean, I mean, oh yeah, she's a, she's a master. But you know, so are a lot of other people. You know, uh, from the late Sue Grafton, uh, Michael Connelly, all kinds of people who oh, have written man. wonderful stories. And and it's both the how and the why. Remember, uh, the police use a formula. Investigators use how plus why equals who. Well, the how is the mo. You know what weapon was used, what time it was done, what location was done, how did they get there, how did they get away, how did they dispose of evidence, how did what alibi did they have? That's all the how, and that's what crime. That's the heart and soul of crime fiction. But the next level is the psychological. Why? Why did this person do this? I just finished a a book a few weeks ago, Steve Hamilton's new uh, Dead Man Running, and the why is critically important but you don't learn that until way, 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 way late in this wonderful story. So anybody who hasn't read it, it's not out yet, but it's coming out soon. It's very well done, and the why is the real issue here. So both how and why are important, and good writing addresses both of those.
1: Right. Now, which one, what what facet of of the whole uh the big picture uh, intrigues you the most. Is it is it are you interested in the psychology of it, the the, the crime itself, the forensics?
0: All that. But but all of the, it yeah, all of it. But the trickiest part is the psychology behind why people do what they do. what is the motivation? What pushes them in that direction? What makes this person walk out the front door into the light, and that person walk out the back door into the dark. And that's, uh, wow, that's very fertile ground for crime writing.
1: Right. What do you find to be a, have you have you found any, like, I don't know, um, I'm watching, say, uh, these I watch some of these shows on Netflix, the the true crime things, and I'm and I'm looking for mm-hmm. patterns. I mean, there's there's theories about, you know, uh, people who come from broken homes. There's theories about you know drug abuse, child abuse. Uh, sure. Do, do, you know, and, and I do see some patterns, but I, what 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 kind of patterns have you seen? What are some things? I guess what I'm saying is, uh, what do you think are all the makings of of a murderer?
2: Yeah,
0: you know, that's an age-old question, and it's been around a long time, and it's been debated backwards and forth. And if you go back to the beginning of profiling, you know, for the FBI, and and actually the great series, actually, I think it is on Netflix, called Mind Honor. If anybody hadn't watched it, watch it. Oh, yeah. good. But it's it's about about the development. of And what they did is they went and interviewed all these serial killers. Well, most of the ones they interviewed would be what we would call narcissistic, power-and-control, sexually-motivated serial killers. Fine. You know, the Bundys of the world. Um, Right. That's not the whole picture. They do it for profit. They do it for the thrill. They do it for a lot of other reasons other than a sexual motivation. So serial killers have a lot of different – they have a much broader – A much broader uh, motive than we thought initially, and so you can't you can't put everybody in in one basket, Uh, and that's what's Mm -hmm. fascinating about it. That's what's fascinating about it. And so you have to go back to the science to track them. You know, and that's why we had we developed NCIS, the National Crime Institute. That's why they developed CODIS, the national database. Uh, the databank for DNA And APIS for fingerprints It's because you can track people In different parts of the country That are moving around And doing these crimes You can connect the crimes And so now you can right, start finding right. What the motives are And etc But it's a much broader yeah. Than we much thought it was
1: You you brought up um, Sexually motivated murders And I, I see that a lot um, Lots and lots of Sexually motivated murders And this This Kind of confounds me because I have never connected sex and murder. Meaning, I, murder doesn't have any, you know, violence and murder doesn't trigger any erotic response from me, right. you know, or vice versa. And they seem to me to be very, very different things. And yet, yes. sexually motivated murder is so, uh, there's so much of it. Do you, do, you, do you have any theories on why that is? I think that's a whole show in and of itself. I don't understand well, that at all. But.
0: It is. It's a whole show, and you know, it's way too complex to discuss here, and I'm probably not an expert in it, but I can tell you this, that uh, anytime there's passion involved of any kind, anytime there is a need involved, and I think need is the word, then things get sideways, and people have a need. Now, some of these people get their wires crossed early on, And they see power and control and torture and harm and pain and suffering as a sexual act. Now, maybe it's something in their childhood. Mm. Maybe it's not. You know, Jeffrey Dahmer, by all uh, accounts, had a pretty normal upbringing with very nice parents. Um, Others had very abusive uh, upbringing. So there's no pattern there. But somehow they get Mm. the wires crossed that these two things go together. And they like, they enjoy, they get some kind of internal satisfaction from pain and suffering and control and all of those things. Mm. We call it a sexually motivated thing, but the sex may not be the major motivating thing. It may be power, control, and domination. It's hard to tell. It obviously varies from case to uh,
1: case.
0: It's a difficult subject. Yeah, it's
1: it's fascinating because I mean, yeah. as a writer, it, it, we both Tamara yeah. and I, we both love writing these yeah. sexually motivated serial killers. It's fascinating, and yet when you really step back and you look at it, it's like how these—they just don't really go together. Not for me. I, yeah, know, I well, mean, you're not Ted Bundy. for some people, right? It's yeah. a strange Bundy. thing. Exactly. At, like, I also don't get food and sex. I'm going to say it. When people. <laughs> <laughs> when people start incorporating food. I'm, I'm, I'm equally confused. I'm like, these are two very different things. <laughs> very mind yeah, to me.
0: <laughs> yeah, but wait a minute. Wait a minute. Chocolate is an aphrodisiac. Okay, let's just leave it as that.
2: Okay, Okay. Okay, but I don't want to smear it on someone's body. That's just gross. No, 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 no. I don't.
1: Yeah, I don't. I don't get it. I truly, I truly don't get it. I, I I cannot think of any. You know, not to get too personal. Not that anybody cares about this, but I can't. (laughs) I can't think of anything that you know, like these. You know, people have these these kinks, and it's like I can't. I can't think of anything that I want to incorporate into uh, uh, sex that, that to me, that's just, it's its own thing. Violence and chocolate and, and, and vanilla pudding. I don't, I don't understand it, but anyway,
0: that is the quote norm. But remember, we're talking about yeah. people outside. <laughs> yeah. People who jump. In the trail.
1: Yeah.
2: Yeah. <laughs> wow. Right, so,
1: um, we also, I'd like to talk about, whenever we have you on, I kind of feel like we just kind of use you, you know. We just, like, <laughs> ask you all these questions, and we're fascinated, and then we're There's done with you. Cake. We just throw you away. So I'm really, so I'm, we don't so I, you. I, I really, yeah.
2: <laughs> <laughs>
1: So I really want to talk to we'll you about time. your, um, yes, and your, we will, we will. Yeah. We'll call you tomorrow <laughs> morning. We'll call you the next day. Yeah. <laughs> <We'll> snuggle. <laughs> but, uh I also want to talk about talk about your, uh, your fiction. Now, you have the, the Jake Longley series. Mm-hmm. Now, this is a number, sure. one, number one Amazon bestseller, which is a really big deal. That's really cool. Um, I can yeah. understand sure. it because I've read it. I, I, we've had you yeah. on talking okay. about them a little bit before. And sure. very, very, very That's good fun. books. I recommend them to anybody. Um, are, you, <laughs> are you working on any new Jake Longley books?
0: Yes, uh, the next one called Sunshine State is coming out in May,
1: and Ooh, takes nice. place Sunshine. in Florida,
0: of course. Duh, the Sunshine right. State, and uh, yeah, they get brought up in shenanigans. They're hired by a incarcerated serial killer to prove he didn't do two of the seven murders he confessed to, and oh, by the way, they found his DNA at all of them. So is he gaming the system, Ooh. or is he telling the truth? So Jake and Nicole, and ah. crew get caught up in that. And I'm working on the next one, which also mm-hmm. is a ministry. Is the title right now It's called RIG, but I don't. It's only I'm only fifteen thousand yeah. words into this. But I have a whole new series that I've started, and I actually sent off the agent sent off the first the first volume of that series, and I won't talk about it yet. But it it's sent out <laughs> today. Actually, today it went out. Yeah. Oh,
1: great. oh, nice! Congratulations! That's cool. Mm-hmm. I'm very excited. Thanks. Yeah, yeah. I recommend these books highly. Um as well as yeah, the, the nonfiction, of course. Yeah, He's got very such good great stuff. Of humor. Um,
2: yeah.
1: You do. <laughs> you do. You yeah. do. Um all right, so so uh I'm curious about what if there was one thing you could understand about I don't know, just we'll just leave it wide open. Just crime in general. If there was one thing that you could understand that you could have an answer to, what what do you wish that you knew?
0: Why people do what they do to each other. And that's a huge, broad answer, and it doesn't really say anything. But what motivates people to do stupid crap? Why do they break and enter? Why do they steal? Why do they murder? Why do they do all this stuff? where didn't they stop and say, well, wait a minute, there's another way to do this. Can't you spell the word divorce, for Christ's sakes? (laughs) People seem to think that (laughs) murder is the way out of it, you
1: know? I know,
0: I know. Why why does Scott Peterson do what he did? Why did O.J. do what he did? You know, it goes on and on and on and on. Uh, But why? Why? Didn't you stop and think for a minute that this is not a good idea? (laughs)
1: <laughs> no, I know. I, I totally, I totally agree. I, like I said, I watch these crime shows, and I'm just like, really, this was easier yeah. than just getting a divorce. This was, your this was easier.
0: Yeah.
1: This yeah. was your solution yeah.
0: to the problem, really? Let me give you yeah. like
1: five more.
2: Yeah. You know? <laughs> yeah. Right.
1: Exactly. Yeah, the other thing I've learned from these shows is I'm like, don't ever take out a life insurance policy. My god. These people, and the other thing <laughs> that just kills me. They yeah, take out life insurance yeah. policies and then 3 months later kill their spouse. I'm like, uh
0: Yeah. Hello. Yeah.
1: People are going to know they didn't i mean come on. <laughs> <laughs> Yeah. Yeah. I know, right? Do you do you happen to know and and you know, I could be going way outside the lines of what you know i i have no idea what you know i know everything I and questions. what i don't know I make,
0: I <laughs> all right <it. laughs> oh perfect
1: <pretty good. laughs> do you happen to know i watch i watch these crime shows i read these books i i you know you hear all about it and it seems to me like left and right people are committing crimes and getting caught we don't hear much about people who don't get caught and i would imagine that there are a lot of people who don't get caught yeah so for example do you know about how many i don't know killers are out there at any given time that you know either got away or or are going and, and and never got caught is that is that a common thing
0: it' It's hard to know what you don't know it's a you know it's a zero sum game how do you how do you prove a null hypothesis by all that math crap but the point is is the f b i depending on what you read and when you read it. Uh, we'll say anywhere between 40 and 100 serial killers are working in the United States at any given time. Wow. Yeah. That's wow. yeah. pretty And that may be an overestimate. It may be a way underestimate. But the point is, is that there's people out there doing stuff that are getting away with it all the time, and suddenly they're caught. And it's like they have 12 people, you know, 12 scouts on their belt, if you will. And it's like, why didn't we know this beforehand? Well... We didn't have the evidence. We didn't know who to look for. We didn't see the pattern. We didn't do this. We didn't whatever. It always looks good in the retrospectoscope, but in the right. looking yeah. forward scope, you don't see it so clearly. You know, how do you connect right. all these dots? It's hard. It's hard. And luck is always exactly. involved. Never underestimate the power of luck.
1: Yeah.
2: Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> oh. All right. Oh.
1: About out of time, but I um, would you mind telling us again where we can hear your podcast, and also where our listeners can go to find out where to get your books and learn yeah, more about the, you? the
0: best the best place is to go to d p l y l e m d dot com dot com. You can find about the the the, the new show Criminal mm-hmm. Mischief. You can find out about the old show. Crime and Science Radio, you can see all my books, you can connect to my blog, you can do everything through that site. You can find out all kinds of stuff. So go there, and hopefully you'll find some stuff of interest to you and of value to you.
1: Nice, nice. Well, Very nice. we hope, as always, that you'll that you'll come back. We, we've we been kicking around uh, an idea uh, lately for, like, certain theme shows, certain things we want to discuss, just, you know, really delve into certain <laughs> topics. We'd love to have yep. you back, uh, as as always. Yeah, so, anytime, yeah. you know that. And, all right, all right. And we, I am totally yeah. going to check out your show. I know Tamara is, too. We're going to love it. It's yeah. good stuff.
2: We um, are.
1: Thank old. you. Thank you for being thank on. You mm-hmm. for me always thank you. Through. I appreciate it. <laughs> yep. Welcome. You're ah. welcome. We'll be in touch. Mm-hmm. And uh, All right. uh, thank thank you everybody for listening and until next week we wish you haunted nights.
2: And sweet screams.
1: Thank you for listening.
0: Good night, live with Tamara Thorne and Alistair Cross.